Welcome to The Spartan Life, where we explore what it means to be a part of the Southern Lehigh family. And we attempt to cover all of the sweet, sweet goodness that is Southern Lehigh High School in 30 minutes or less. From first-hand coverage of exciting experiences, to intimate discussions with some of your favorite teachers, to inspirational interviews with diverse students on unique journeys. That's right, great students accomplishing great feats. We'll do our best to hit all of the highlights. But inevitably, we will fail. Because there's so much to celebrate, we're afraid your brains would simply melt if we tried to cover it all. We're your hosts. I'm Mr. Castagna. And I'm Mr. Howe. Join us as we venture into the heart of Southern Lehigh High School, one interaction at a time, on The The Spartan Spartan Life. Mr. Halp, we are recording this on a day that Mrs. Gariello has christened Poop Day. Code Brown. Code Brown, my friend. Code Brown. Yeah, a lot of uh, number two related puns this afternoon. So many. Well, I mean, we're up to our ankles in it. Wow. <laughs> but we had the last hour of the day. Normally, I have a study hall anyway, but without kids in the building, we're able to sort of move around and mingle among the staff. So Absolutely. we're getting some recording done. Why not take advantage of the time we have since we can't go home? Yeah, so we're here. We'll podcast. We've got three features on this episode. First up, we're going to do our typical what's going on segment where we cover news items from around the high school community, but we are not going to do it in a typical way. Then we sat down with Brad Staggerwalt and talked to him about his game modding. Yeah, I learned a whole lot there. I didn't even know what that was until we talked to Brad. Yeah. And then I was fortunate enough to uh, get Mrs. Dottery in here for an interview because I spoke with her in the hallway a couple weeks back, and it was a lovely conversation. And I realized I didn't know anything about her in her personal life. I didn't know much about her as a teacher. So I learned a whole lot there as well. But first, we're going to get to our what's going on segment, as we always do with the news. As we said, we're not doing this the typical way. We are doing this in the style of a 90s SNL skit. And since we're doing it that way, I'm going to trot out something we used to do but haven't done in a while. Here's your trivia question, everybody. If you know the answer to this trivia question, be the first to email us with the correct response at slspartanlife at slsd.org. The first person to contact us through email with the correct response will either get a point of extra credit in my class or Mr. Halp's class if you're a student of ours, or you may come to room 123 and select a prize from my bag of cheap, cheesy prizes from Five Below. Ooh, what about some Spartan Life swag? There is some Spartan Life swag if you'd prefer that. Swag! I think there might be a poop emoji of some kind (laughs) in the bag of prizes, which would be fitting for Poop Day. Very appropriate for Poop Day. Anyway, here we go. We are going to give you the What's Going On segment in a completely different style. And it is done in the style of an SNL skit from the 90s that starred Anna Gastire and Molly Shannon. What I need to know is what was the name of the talk show in that skit? Oh, my gosh. That is so hard. And that is how they spoke. That is. And it was all about good times. Good times. times. Like this new segment. Take a listen. Normally, when we do news items around the high school, we do it with high energy, at a really fast speed, and with silly accents. Yeah. But that has just not been the mood in the building. No. It hasn't been. The mood has been calm. Yeah. Serene. Yes. Getting through the winter. That's right. So we're going to do news items with a tone that matches the mood in the building. Cue the ticker type. 
The yearbook staff is still waiting on senior quotes from roughly 50% of the senior class. That's like half. You're good at math. That's great. Thank you. While it's perfectly understandable, it might be a challenge to settle upon just the right words to immortalize your high school experience forever and ever. Once you've decided on your senior quote, visit Mrs. Tassi's website to submit your choice. It's hard. Yeah. So many words to choose from. So many memorable quotes that you could choose. And whether you feel like life is like a box of chocolates, you should always strive to be all you can be. Or you just want to tell the world that everything's all right, all right, all right. Decide on a quote. Yeah, make that decision. Contact Mrs. Tassi. Take the plunge. Take it from senior Elise Downey, who has already submitted her quote. Live for the memories you can't put into words, and that's from a Sassy Massey post. Wow, that was a really great quote. This year, the class of 2020 has organized a senior trip to Philadelphia for interested students. Oh, Philly. The date is May 26th, and students will enjoy a a two-and-a-half-hour lunch cruise on the spirit of Philadelphia, followed by a choice among an afternoon at the Franklin Institute, the Philadelphia Zoo, or Eastern State Penitentiary. Oh, there's a lot of animals at the zoo. Are you a zoo person, Mr. Howe? I like watching the monkeys. I always found zoos a little boring. You walk, you watch, you go home. After the afternoon activities, the whole gang will reconvene for a Phillies-Mets game for which the class of 2020 has reserved the party deck and nosebleed seats so you won't miss a second of the action. Let's go Phillies. Tickets are $90. I like that Bryce Harper. Said Emily Jordan, senior class president, about why you should sign up today. People should sign up for the class trip because um, it's kind of our last opportunity to get together as a class. Um, And it's the week we graduate, so it's definitely like our last hurrah as the class of 2020. And it incorporates such a diverse amount of things that I think anybody can have a good time and anybody can find a way to enjoy themselves, especially if we're all there together. Southern Lehigh will be holding its second annual Chopped competition in March. Much like last year, students will work in teams of three along with a celebrity. Translation, a staff member, chef. Teams will have to navigate secret ingredients, a ticking clock, and judges with refined and particular palates. Did you participate in CHOP last year, Mr. Howe? I did. It was, it was quite fun. I did as well. I, too, had fun. Did, did you win? I did not win. No, neither did I. That's okay, though. Mrs. Wall is currently seeking competitors, so visit her website and sign up today. Like right now. Yeah, the sooner the better. You can hear the excitement in our voices. If you share that excitement, go to her website and sign up. Last year's winning team was the Smelly Teddy Bears, featuring celebrity chef Mr. Doherty. Mr. Doherty had this to say about his chances in this year's competition. Uh, I think my chances this year are uh, just as good as they were last year, but I don't think I won because I was better than everybody else. I just don't think I was as bad as everybody else. Slam. Wow. I think he may win again. He certainly sounds excited. While students enjoyed a day off on Valentine's Day, staff members came to work for an in-service day, during which they sat for keynote speeches from an expert on social-emotional learning. 
discussed successful advisory lessons, and of course, enjoyed an hour and a half for lunch. Where did you go for lunch, Mr. Howe? Well, sadly, I ate a salad alone in my room. We were supposed to go to Red Robin. You brought a salad. I'm sorry. I had to go with Piperato. I just wasn't feeling up for it. Said Spartan Life regular Mr. Zeisloft about lunch during the in-service day. Unfortunately, with our lunchtime scheduled to begin at 11 o'clock, we were not able to attend Casa Toro uh, for our typical lunch with Trace Amigos on, on, Thursday, on Friday. Uh, however, we did go to Red Robin, got a burger, not the best, but it's not bad. And uh, we had a good, good environment, good friends, good talking, but not as good as we typically have. So. Wow. No Trace Amigos this time. Although he does sound like he enjoyed the burger that he ate at Red Robin. Yeah, burgers are good. Cooper Nelson has been making his rounds, challenging teachers to a ping-pong showdown. After defeating Mr. Greenwald and Mr. Howe, and putting up a good fight against Mr. Zeisloff, he decided to face Mr. Kalali. Have you ever played Mr. Kalali in ping-pong, Mr. Castagna? I have played Mr. Kalali. He's good. He's very good. Cooper was able to defeat Mr. Kalali, possibly due to some outside-of-the-game strategic information. Do you mean to say Cooper Nelson cheated? Oh, I don't think it was cheating as much as it was extra coaching that he didn't have against anyone else. Because cheating would be improper. Cheating is bad. Don't cheat. It's not good. Said Cooper Nelson about his winning streak. Competition's too easy around here. And that's what's going on in the halls of Southern Lehigh. Join us next time when we calmly and serenely detail more news items from the high school community. This is Mr. Castagna saying, be kind to each other and don't forget to laugh on occasion. Even if the skies are gray and there isn't a snow day in sight. Wow, this was fun. I'm glad we did this, Mr. Howe. Me too. Good times. Good times. So there it is, a slightly different and much lower energy take on what's going on that was modeled after a 1990s SNL skit. Trivia question. You can get a prize or a point of extra credit if you know it. Be the first to email us, slspartanlife at slsd.org. The question is, what was the name of the radio show on the SNL skit that we modeled this week's What's Going On After? You also heard in the last part of that segment that Cooper Nelson is looking for better competition. Better competition, please. Ha- have you played against him, Mr. Howell? I have played him twice. And what was the outcome? Uh, the first time I crushed him. Crushed, crushed him. him. Crushed him. Yes, but then he bought a new paddle. Oh, and it made a big difference? Yeah, there's a lot more tact to his new paddle. For those of you who don't play ping pong, that means stickiness. Thanks for translating yeah, that. No problem. So um, played him the second time, and it, it was a lot closer than the first. He actually beat me two to three, uh, two out of three sets. Okay, so uh, he's the current victor in the matchup between Cooper Nelson and Mr. Howe. Currently, but I will be playing him again. You hear that, Cooper? You're going down. You're going down. I'm going to take you downtown. Leave you there. All right. But Cooper Nelson is not the only student we've had a chance to talk to lately. Who else did we talk to, Mr. Howe? Uh, then we sat down and talked with Brad Staggerwald about his game modding and his ability to create farming equipment, of all things, in a video game. I learned a lot. I didn't even know what a mod was before this conversation. So with a little education for you and a little education for Mr. Castagna, take a listen. Yeah. 
Today, we are going to talk about video gaming a little bit. And with us sitting down, we have Brad Steigerwald. Hi, Brad. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm very good. And as always, my compadre, Mr. Castagna. Yeah, I don't know too much about gaming, so uh, it's going to be pretty educational for me. I'll let you take point on this one, Mr. Howe. <laughs> very good, sir. So, Brad, I want to start off by you um, telling us a little bit about your interest in terms of gaming and what type of games you enjoy playing. Well, uh, it's not a very wide variety of games. I usually play, sometimes I'll play FPS games, which are first-person shooter games. And it's more of me just playing Farming Simulator, though. Farming Simulator. Yeah. Tell us about Farming Simulator for anybody who's not familiar with it, (laughs) like myself. If you want to be, like, a real farmer, but you don't want to put in the work, it's basically farming online or on a computer. (laughs) Very good. So um, have you been doing that for a while then, playing the farming? I, I think it's up to 19, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, farming 19. Simulator 19, if I yeah. did my research appropriately. So have you played the iterations prior to that one? or? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I've been playing since Farming Simulator 13. That was back in 2012. Okay. And it's been progressing every two years. So okay. I've been playing since then. <laughs> so any particular uh, platform to use PC? Is it Xbox? Is it... Yeah, I use uh, PC. It's probably the best thing to use because you can mod on that, and you can't mod on like consoles like Xbox or PlayStation. You can't do any of that. Okay. So I'm sorry. Wanna... I need a judge's ruling on that. Can you explain mods to us? <laughs> now, as an yes. English guy, I'm assuming it's short for modification. I, I don't get ahead of ourselves, so we'll get to modding here later. Um, okay. But I, w- I was curious about what your first gaming system was that you've owned and, and how you got started into gaming. Yeah, well, uh, this goes back a while. Um, yeah, like like fifth grade, sixth grade? <laughs> Even before that. Okay, okay. <laughs> I started with the uh, the PlayStation 2 and playing uh, motocross games and platformers. Okay. So, so, so that kind of... And then that has evolved, of course, up to get you into what yeah. you're yep. doing now. Because with the computer, you can modify stuff. You can upgrade your computer. With the console, you can't really do that that much. Right. At least, not now. <laughs> so then, was it a natural progression as you got the, the next system? You were just playing, like, whatever the popular titles were? Was that kind of how yeah, you got yeah, more involved into video gaming? So, like I said, I started with the PlayStation 2. I was playing platformers and stuff. And then PlayStation 3 came out. I started with uh, FPS games then. And that progressed into farming. <laughs> yeah. So was it like Call of Duty and those types of games that you yeah, were yeah, first into? Yeah, yeah. Stuff okay. like that. And Call of Duty Zombies. It was always fun. And, and then the farming simulator came out, and you were all in on that one. Yeah, well, that was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. I, I didn't really have any knowledge of farming beforehand. I was just like, people farm, they make food. But all of a sudden, it was like, oh, this is kind of cool, actually. You, you get to drive tractors around. You get to do stuff with the land. So, <laughs> Do you need knowledge of farming to play farm simulator? You don't need it because it has tutorials, stuff like that, but I find it helps, if, especially if you want to have, like, a big operation going and so you want to make a lot of profit. <laughs> what's, like, one particular about farming that would be helpful to know to excel at Farming Simulator? <laughs> uh, you got to fertilize your crops. You have to plow the land every so often so you get those nutrients are all mixed around. You're not just draining the nutrients from the topsoil. You want to get deep and get those nutrients below. You have to apply fertilizer still, and you have to apply uh, herbicide so the weeds don't grow. And you have a farming background, too? Uh, Not really. (laughs) Okay, so this is all stuff that you've kind of picked up on the fly. Well, my great-grandfather was a farmer, but they kind of stopped doing that after a while, so 
it kind of just picked up from nowhere. <laughs> okay. So it's more than just you playing the game, though. You actually create what are called mods in this video game. Yeah, For modifications. You've used that term more than once so far. I don't know what a mod is. As an English teacher, I'm assuming it's short for modification. But can you uh, walk us through that for any, uh, any lay people who might be listening and have no idea what a mod is? Yeah, so a mod or a modification is when you have something that you can add to the game and modify the game. So let's say I have a certain script that affects the way the game runs, or I have a special piece of equipment that I can add to the game. You have all those add-ons or mods. Okay, so say I'm playing Farm Simulator and I have a cool idea of how I want to change the game. I could write that down on a piece of paper. That's not going to change the game. So in terms of how this actually works, walk us through the process of designing and implementing a mod, because I have no idea how you would even begin to do that. Okay, so first you need an idea. It starts off as an idea. So you don't want to repeat something that's already in the game. So what I like to do is create a list, and then I'll do my research, make sure that mod isn't already being made, or it's already out. And then what you need is blueprints if you're doing a piece of equipment, or for scripting, you just script it into the game. But let's say we're doing a piece of equipment. I need the blueprints for that mod, and then I need to uh, model that mod. So I use a program called Blender. It's free. Um, it's a great program. It's easy to use, at least for me. And I start by modeling the piece of equipment from scratch. And then once that's done, I'll use the same program to put textures on it. And then with those textures and uh, the model complete, I can export it into another program called Giants Editor, which is part of Farming Simulator's series of stuff for mods. And then from there, I can script it in XML. And then once it's all scripted, it's practically in the game. This sounds like hacking. It sounds like you're <laughs> hacking the game. Are making mods part of the process here? I mean, is this like a legal thing that's allowed? Yeah, it's, it's legal. Um, Giants even has their own mod hub, which is like a bunch of mods on a website that people can download from creators. So, and Giants is the creator of Farming Simulator. Oh, okay. See, I was wondering how you farm it out to the I see audience. what you did there. Like all the other people farm like it that. out to the audience. I like that. <laughs> but you know how you get it out to gamers, you know, worldwide. And it's that they are also aware that mods are out there. There are websites for it, and then they can download a specific mod that they can then add to their particular game to enhance the experience? Yeah, it's pretty much like that. So when you say draw blueprints and then you use these different uh, applications or websites, are you coding? Like how, how are you writing it into video game language? Well, I have to use XML and most of the time I'll look at the way other mods do it and I'll look at tutorials from other people and then I'll write that down using like a pretty much a template and then I'll fill out all my information for that mod, and then it, it all works out. <laughs> so, so there's a good bit of computer science that goes into that and, and programming. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have experience? Have you taken some of our computer science courses here? I actually haven't. <laughs> I learned all this myself uh, over the years. It's been like five years of self-taught knowledge. What wow. came first, the interest in mods or an interest in computer science? Definitely the interest in mods. <laughs> so you had to learn computer science to be able to do the mods? Yes. Uh, rumor has it you make a little money on the side creating these mods. Yeah, well, first off, my friend actually started doing it, and he kind of 
nudged me into doing it. So I use this program called Patreon where people can subscribe monthly and pretty much get the mods from me. Uh, I charge 15 to $25 for uh, every month and $15 is a lower tier. You get less mods, but the $25 tier, you get all the mods that are coming out pretty much. All the beta mods. Wow, that's kind of cool. It is. And I am familiar with Patreon. A lot of podcasts use that to generate income. People who listen to their podcast can donate money to keep the podcast going. I'm not suggesting we should start a Patreon for the Spartan life. You don't want to do like a bonus episode every week? Look, I'm just saying, if somebody showed up and gave me money to do this podcast, I don't think I'd turn it down. No way. (laughs) So then do you have interest in going into computer science in the future as like a possible career choice for you? Well, I thought about it, and maybe since agriculture is really turning over into that computer science aspect, I was thinking about it because you have all the GPS stuff now, you have all the crops that you're monitoring on your iPad from home. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about it, but I think I'd rather just stick with plain old agriculture, old school stuff. So so that's what you're going into next year as you go off? Yeah, I'm going for uh, ag science agricultural science. Do you know Uh, where yet? Well, first I'm going to do two years at Penn State Lehigh Valley. That's just my core classes. And then I'm going up to main campus for another two years. Excellent. Very good. Do you think your background in farm simulator will help you in your studies of agriculture? Definitely. Definitely. It's been a learning process. It's helped me along. Uh, The tutorials and the stuff that's in the game really helps you learn and uh, grow as a person. <laughs> Another pun. That's it. I see, I see what yeah. you did there. We're farming, we're growing. We're yeah. fertilizing. Where does the interest in agriculture come from? I think you said your grandfather, your great-grandfather was in farming? Yes, my, uh, my great-grandfather was a farmer. But nobody in your family since then? No. So it's not like a family business or a family tradition? Yeah. And most people are moving away from traditional farming now. There's yep. less and less of that going on. I grew up with a guy who uh, grew up on a family farm. And neither he nor his brother wanted to take it over, so they shut the farm down. Yeah. So what is drawing you toward traditional farming? Well, us living in the Lehigh Valley, in the southern part of Lehigh Valley pretty much, there's a lot of farms around here. Before I used to live in Allentown, I had no interest at all. And then when we moved here, I kind of was like, oh, it's kind of cool. You know, I opened up, and then I was like, well, the guys around here, they aren't that big into farming. They're the small traditional guys. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's small-scale farming. It's like a hobby, you know? And maybe once I get out of college, I can use my ag, uh, ag science degree in another job and just be like a hobby farmer and farm on the side. Ah, like a couple goats, a couple chickens, a little bit of field there for you to yeah. grow some corn or something like that. Yep. That sounds really great. Well, Brad, thank you for sitting down with us. I hope um, everybody out there learned a little bit about gaming and building mods, and we appreciate you sitting down on the Spartan Life with us. Well, uh, thanks for having me. It's a great opportunity. (laughs) Our pleasure, Brad. All right. Thanks. So, Mr. Castagne, we talked to Brad about him earning some potential money. We sure did. Do you know how much money he actually makes on selling his mods? I mean, it couldn't be that much. It's just a game modification. How much has he made so far, To Mr. date, Howell? he has made $7,000. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea that mods could be so lucrative. Me neither. So, uh, folks, you can go out there and support Brad as well. Or maybe you yourself want to pick up this whole idea of modding and game modification. Go talk to Brad. He'll hook you up. Wow, $7,000. He's only been doing it a short while, like less than a year. Statistically speaking, that is pretty good. 
Speaking of statistics, we also sat down with Mrs. Dottery, our AP statistics teacher, to find out uh, how she got into education, how she grew up in the Southwest and somehow made her way to Pennsylvania, and what she likes to do in her spare time. Enjoy this interview with Mrs. Dottery. All right. I am uh, sitting here with my co-host, Mr. Halp, and our guest today, Mrs. Dottery. How are you, Mrs. Dottery? I'm great, thanks. It's really good to hear. I wanted to do this interview because I had a conversation with you in the hallway maybe two or three weeks ago, and it was a lovely conversation. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank you for the lovely conversation. And as I walked away from the conversation, I realized, aside from the fact that you are a teacher at Southern Lehigh who started a few years after me, and you teach math, I know nothing else about you. So I thought this would be kind of educational. I have the advantage here. Since, you know quite a bit. Mrs. Dottery is a member of my department, and we've gone on a couple conference trips together. So sure. and we're I've neighbors. Gotten, yeah, right. neighbors down the hallway. Oh, neighbors, neighbors down, the down the hallway. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, let's just start with the basics and where you come from. Saber told me to ask about your upbringing in the desert. I don't have any idea what that means, so why don't you tell us where did you grow up? What was that like? Well, I actually was born in Boston. Um, but I lived in Boston, um, Maine. I lived in Arizona and New Mexico for most of my young life. Elementary school was Arizona, middle school and high school was in um, New Mexico. So when did you move out of there? How old were you? Um, When I went to college, I went back to Arizona. I went to Arizona State University. And when I went back to Arizona for college, my family moved to England. So um, when I would go home, I wouldn't really go home, per se, um, to New Mexico after, like, during college breaks, like Christmas break or spring break or whatever. I would have to go and see my family over in London. So um, for the only time I would get to go there would be in the summertime. So I'd go in the summertime to visit my family over in England, and uh, the rest of the time I lived in Arizona. So was it your family's, uh, your parents' jobs that took them all My father's the place? job. Yeah, my father's job took them to London, and they were there for, I don't know, maybe six years. So you spent the bulk of your adolescence in the Southwest. Correct. And then all of a sudden, home becomes London, England. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really my home per se, but I had to go there. And it's not a bad thing. I'm not complaining. <laughs> it was actually fantastic. So for a college break, it was like, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Right. So you'd go see your folks. Yeah. But what was it like growing up in, as Sabre called it, the desert? How did the that desert? shape you? Did you like it out there? I loved it. The um, For those of you who have never been out to the Southwest, I don't know if you guys have. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. out there uh, two summers ago. Arizona and yeah. New Mexico are beautiful. I know that they're probably, well, I would think New Mexico is not as traveled as Arizona. Right. Just because the Grand Canyon Arizona has a lot of other things there, but um, New Mexico is actually a beautiful um, part of the country, um, and the food is fantastic because yeah. it has its own flavor. A lot of uh, green chili, mm-hmm. so like a main staple of the diet, and um, New Mexican food is, has a little bit of a twist than um, traditional Mexican food, and uh, it's fantastic, and the sunsets are to die for. So and it has a lot of culture. So it's a it's a great place. I remember driving. Uh, we landed in the Albuquerque Airport mm-hmm. and then drove to Santa Fe. And I remember, man, it's a lot flatter than I thought it was going to be. And then all of a sudden, huge mountain, and then flat. It's very different. Very different. It is. It's not as green as it is right? here. No, very red, almost the, orange. The painted desert. Yeah, correct? it is. Yeah. Um. So the landscape is different. Um, the food is different. 
the culture is different. Um, but those are the, the things I miss would be the food, the sunsets, and probably the mountains. I tough, think. tough to find a good sunset around here. We don't get a lot of those. You got to be facing in just the right direction. At the right time. <laughs> it's got to be the right time of year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, clarify for me. Arizona and New Mexico, are yes. those two states in the four corners? Yes. They are. Okay. Yes. All right. I thought so. <sighs> Mr. Geography. Yeah. Very good. Sir. Drove cross country once, hit yeah. the four corners. So then what led you into teaching? How did your path end up in the direction of teaching high school mathematics? So when I graduated um, from Arizona State, I had my degree in mathematics, and everybody asked me, are you going to teach? And I was like, well, no. I mean, why? Why I don't, I never planned on doing that. Um, so when I graduated, um, and my, my family had been away in England, they had actually been relocated back to the United States in this area, Pennsylvania, and um, they said, why don't you come home? I say with quotes because right. it's not really my home. Home, but they said, home. Yeah. home keeps moving. It's strange keeps to moving. think of home as a place that you've never actually been. Like, it's yes. a moving target. Here's your new yes. home. <laughs> That's true for my life. So I don't know if there's a lot of people out there that I've lived in so many houses. It's a lot. Um, but anyway, home for me is wherever you hang your hat. So um, <clears throat> I, my parents said, hey, come on back to Pennsylvania, home. And uh, just stay with us for the summer. And I said, okay, I, I guess I can do that. Um, my, so when I came here f- to Pennsylvania and I was working over the summer, I met my husband there. So I met him that summer and I ended up not going back to Arizona. Wow. So you came you to go. PA and stayed for I, love. I did. <laughs> so um, anyway, I was working at a local company. I had met my future husband, and he's a local, um, born and raised Allentonian. So um, I worked um, in industry for about five years, but I knew within the first year that I was missing education. I missed learning. I missed um, just the atmosphere of college. So I went back and I got my teaching certification. And now I'm, I've been teaching for, I don't know, over 20 years, I think. Yeah. So where, where did you get your teaching degree from? My teaching degree um, from Kutztown University. Okay. Local, very local. Yep. Yep, I have my master's there. That's good. Um, and then t- uh, for the, for our listeners who may not have had you in class, what is your current teaching schedule? I teach uh, two sections of Algebra one, two sections of Honors Algebra two, and two sections of AP Statistics. And that's been your schedule for the last couple of years, right? Yes. Yeah. So you're also the advisor for Scholastic Scrimmage. Yes. You took over for Mrs. Smiley when she retired a few years ago. I did. Is that is that was that your initial involvement with that? So Pat Combs used to be the Scholastic Scrimmage advisor with Pat Smiley, and when um, Pat Combs retired, they asked me to kind of like fill in, and then when Pat Smiley left, I just kind of kept kept that. Um, but I love Scholastic Scrimmage. It's a fun, uh, it's a fun club for the students. I like trivia, and um, it's a good time. Did you take part in Scholastic Scrimmage when you were in school? No, there was no such thing where I came from. Okay, uh, <laughs> it's brand of, new. A lot of nights playing Trivial Pursuit, perhaps. <laughs> I do like those kind of games. Yeah. Are like you a big puzzles. Jeopardy fan? Um, so so. I like watching it every once in a while, but like I wouldn't tune in every night. Do you feel that being the Scholastic Scrimmage advisor has made you better at games like Jeopardy and Trivial Pursuit? No. Oh, that's a bummer. Oh. It is a bummer because I feel like, well, it's one of those things like you either know it or you don't. Yeah. But Do you ever feel intimidated by smart kids who know obscure and sophisticated things? Always. Yeah. Yeah. 
questions can range from anything from arts, the arts, to the sciences, um, to English, novels, history. It's all over the place, and that's why I like it, because it's a, it's a club sport, if you will, or it's a team sport. Um, so it's nice to get kids that are good in each of these little pockets, and they come together as a team and work as a team and, and do well. I think that's the, the coolest part. So what's your role in all that? Because it's kind of obscure knowledge, mm-hmm. there's really nothing to teach. Mm-hmm. So is there any kind of coaching that you do, or you just show up, unlock the door, turn the lights on, and the magic happens? Pretty much. The kids kind of take care of it all, which I think is another benefit, because the kids kind of just take it and run with it. The only thing that I try to step in um, with is strategy if they need it, but typically the kids understand the strategy based on the style of play, because we do play um, a different sort of um, different styles of tournaments. Sometimes they're Jeopardy based, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're like um, first one to the buzzer wins. Those are really high stakes. Um, so we tend to like the ones that are Jeopardy style, where it's more team based, or the ones that are Scholastic scrimmage style, like on the TV show Channel Thirty Nine. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, where um, they can work as a team. So those are the ones that we prefer to to go to. So that's the style we've all seen. What's the strategy for that? I mean, I don't know if you want to put that out on the airwaves. Your competitors no, might hear it. I don't know if no. you want to safeguard this information. No, no, no. It's just um, so on um, the Jeopardy style ones that we go to. Typically, go for the big points first, right? Um, make sure that you allow the moderator to answer or to finish the question before you actually answer it. There's no reason to interrupt um, because if you try to interrupt and your answer is wrong, you didn't even hear the question. Why, you know, why would you? And you don't get a second do chance to answer. Exactly. Now, do you ever get burned on that because another team will buzz in before the announcer has finished the question and they'll know the answer? Um, I think we have benefited from that, but it's been a couple years since that's happened. So. All right. Uh, we'll shift gears a little bit. So you said you teach AP, AP stat, correct? Correct. Okay. You've been to the AP grading. Yes. And for our listeners who are not familiar with that, hundreds of thousands of students each year take the AP test. Somebody has to grade the open-ended sections. It's yes. one guy in a room by himself <laughs> grading 100,000 AP calculus questions. It is not. They recruit teachers of the course from across the country. Oh, you have to apply. You have to submit a resume. And if you're lucky enough, they pick you. It's this, from what I understand, a very nice deal. They fly you out. Uh, they feed you. They pay for your hotel. And they pay you to do it as well. And you've done it a few times. Yes. I'm going for the first time this year for AP literature. What can I expect from the experience? Well, um, I think you're going to get a good understanding of what the AP readers look for when students are answering questions, and I think that will transfer into your classroom. You'll be able to guide the students a little bit more directly with how to answer better, I guess. Yeah. Like earlier, for, uh, how you used the phrase moving target. Right. And sometimes I feel that way with the open-ended essay questions. You know, I kind of feel like I, I've been trained on this, and I think I know how I should grade this one or, or how intensely I should grade it or how lenient I should be, but I'm kind of a man by himself figuring it out. So I am looking forward to working with some colleagues and getting a better understanding of it. From a conversation that we've had about that experience, I told him he's going to be completely brain dead by the end of the whole day, that he'll be drained mentally. Yeah, could be. I don't know how it is for reading like essays that see, to me that seems a little overwhelming. I yeah. would be overwhelmed with reading paper after paper after paper after paper. But I mean, I do have 17 years of experience, 
And I'm not saying I don't get paid to do my job, but nobody's ever specifically paid me for the stack of papers I bring home and grade at my house. Mm. So it'll be kind of nice to be formally <laughs> trained and then to be compensated for it. Uh, I'm doing that work anyway. Right. And it does leave your brain dead. Right. So at least this way I'll leave with a check and a couple nice meals in my stomach. So there you go. Uh, like I said, I don't know anything about you. I don't know your age. I'm not going to ask it on air. Um, I, uh, you mentioned a husband. I don't know if you have kids. Tell me about your family life and what you do in your spare time. Um, I am married. Um, we've been married, well, over, tw- well, tw- I don't even know how long. It's a long, it's a long time. <laughs> 20 some years. We've been together for like 25 years. Wow. Th- um, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. We have um, a son who's a freshman in college and a daughter who is a junior in high school. And um, in our free time or family time, we typically travel together. We like to travel and camp. Um, those are the things that we, or, and go skiing as well. Oh, yeah. So, um, where do you like to go skiing? Typically out West. So, um, the Four Corners area. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. familiar with it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a place out there that, um, we've, I've been going to ever since I was a kid. Um, it's called Purgatory. It's in the Durango area. Of, sounds like some of intense skiing. That Southwestern sounds Colorado. challenging. <laughs> it's actually, it's not too challenging. There's other, there's more challenging skiing out west, but um, it's more of a family-friendly kind of a um, resort. When you say family-friendly, do mm-hmm. all four of you go when you go we on do. these ski trips? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you all, do you all ski or do we any of you ski. snowboard? No, we're all skiers. Nice. Yeah. That's good. Uh, and your son, you said, is in college? He is. Where does he go? He goes to Penn State. Okay. What's he studying? He is in uh, the College of IST, which is Information Science and Technology, okay. and he's hoping to major in cybersecurity, analytics, and operations. Wow. Okay. Does your husband have a background in that, or is this no. something your son found on his own? This is just something that he's interested in. Um, I hope it works out for him. We'll see. I mean, he's just a freshman, yeah. so we'll see how that goes. And um, no, my husband is a, he's an engineer by education. And your daughter goes to what high school? Emmaus High School. Okay. She goes to Emmaus. She's a junior, you said? She is a junior. And what track is she on? Is she going to go off to college? What is she going to study? How's it looking? She probably will go to college. Um, She's looking something in the healthcare field. So we're investigating that path right now for her. I, we don't know what it's going to be. She cannot make a decision right now. <laughs> um, so I don't know if she wants to stay in state, out of state, private school, public school, um, small, big, co-ed, you know, all girls school. She, right now she has no idea and we're investigating all those paths. So we're doing a lot of college visits and trying to see if anything sparks. And uh, I mean, as, as a parent of a daughter, that's not a day or a time period that I'm looking forward to. Uh, I think I'm have a hard time letting go. Yeah. Um, but have, have, do you have any preference? Would you prefer to see her stay close, a big school, small school, or are you just completely open? Whatever she's into, that's what she should do. I am open to anything. And actually, I had taken her out to Arizona State, and I had her visit there as well when we were out there last summer. And um, she liked it, so I'm hoping that maybe she might think about applying there. We'll see. Give you an um, extra reason to go out there. Exactly. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> uh, do you think, it doesn't sound like it, but uh, if either of your children wanted to go into education, mm-hmm. would you encourage that, discourage that? What would your advice be? Ooh. Oh, that's tough. Um, of course, I don't want to discourage it. But I don't think that that would be a fit for either one of them. Oh, okay. So, so thinking about your kids in particular, yeah, you don't think teaching would be right for them. I don't. Yeah, it's just not their personality. Um, it just doesn't seem to be their their thing. What about you? You've been doing this a long time. You said I have. You still excited about it? I am. That's good. What do you think like keeps it. it fresh for you? Um, 
I think that the thing that keeps it fresh is I, I like to learn. So I feel like I can learn something every day and I feel like I do. And once that ends, then I think that that is my signal for the time to go. Yeah. Um, but as long as I can keep learning, then I'm in a good place. So you think you learn something every day? I do. What'd you learn today? Today I learned about my students in advisory. Oh, how the did speed you, yes. dating? The speed <laughs> dating <laughs> happened today. Yeah. That was very quick. I, I don't know when. Like, so it's like speed dating. Like, yes, it is like speed dating. You're very right. I don't know when this is going to air, but we did the circle activity. I suppose yeah, the they speed rotated through activity. the. Yeah, you guys all know what I'm talking about. They're not dating, but yes, <laughs> I know what you mean. They know what you mean. Yeah. Well, we didn't do exactly the speed dating as it was set up for us, but um, we asked them. Um, we asked questions about the foods that they should avoid in the cafeteria. I asked that question. Oh, yeah. Okay. And? Fish sticks. Yes. That was what the kids said to avoid uh, in the cafeteria. <laughs> I didn't even know they served them there. My kids mentioned some sort of egg sandwich Ooh. that gets, I guess, really, they said it was really bad. Egg mm. sandwich where it gets like kind of rubbery. Well, I don't. I'm not familiar with it, they, so they I don't know. They probably cook the eggs in the morning. I don't and know. They have to keep them all day. Yeah, rubbery is not it was a good. Some adjective. sort of an egg sandwich no, that was like eggs. Yeah, not good. How do you want those eggs? Rubbery. rubbery. <laughs> right? It was Extra some sort rubbery. of egg sandwich, though. That was the that was, that was the, the big one to stay away from. It has been a pleasure getting to know you. I've worked with you for probably over a decade, easily over a decade now, and now I finally have some sense of who you are. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. So I had no idea that Mrs. Dottery had lived so interesting a life. Growing up in the Southwest, flying back there to ski with her family, encouraging her daughter to attend the University of Arizona. Uh, that is a woman, without hesitation, just living life. Absolutely. I didn't know those things, and I've worked with her for several years now, so I thought that was very interesting as well. And that about wraps things up for us on Poop Day. Uh, if you have any comments or if you'd like to answer our trivia question one more time, we modeled the What's Going On segment after a specific SNL skit from the 90s that starred Anna Gasteyer and Molly Shannon. They were co-hosts on a radio show. What was the name of their radio show? And don't forget to follow us on all our social media accounts at SL Spartan Life on Instagram and Twitter. Once more, that email is slspartanlife at slsd.org. Until next time, gang. Try to keep uh, the goulashes on if you're going in the basement, though, Mr. Castagna. You're going to need it. And um, I had planned on going back down to back to Arizona because I was living in the Phoenix area. Um, back to Arizona because I had a boyfriend and um, I had a job out there. Mm -hmm. But I just took the summer and came back just to see my family. Is this the gentleman that ultimately became your husband? Well, no. <laughs> then I'll be cutting that question from the <laughs> final broadcast.